guest on this episode is someone that I'm about to go have dinner with, uh, because he's moving. Oh, I mentioned on a few episodes ago, uh, my friend Alex Chalavera, who's a member of the Nerdlogs. Um, he was an incredible guest and I knew he would be. He's so, he's maybe one of the most interesting and interested people I've ever met. Uh, he just has a really cool wide range of <clears throat> interests and, uh, enthusiasm um so he's really smart uh along with that and he's been an amazing person to know and work with um i can't remember if it came up on the show or not but uh he was in my very first improv class in chicago at the annoyance um speaking of which uh back to the idea another thing that i've talked about in intros before um lasts uh this weekend marked the closing of the annoyance theater's uh, uptown space. They had their last shows on Saturday. Uh, they had a big closing party on Sunday. Uh, it's currently Tuesday, um, so I'm still, I might still be recovering from that. I don't feel totally 100%, so very well maybe carry over from that celebration, which I don't mind. Uh, you know, there is that question of, is all, like, <laughs> is a day of when I was supposed to be getting things done uh, that instead became doing nothing uh, worth <laughs> a celebratory night. I currently think the answer is yes. Maybe as I get older, I won't anymore. Um, but that's okay. I had a great time. And uh, yesterday was probably a needed day of rest because uh, I had two classes back-to-back at work in the last two weeks at Axion Labs. Um, both went very well, and my boss said that I'm really good at this, and I've only been working there about a month and a half, so that was cool to hear. Um, another thing that uh, kind of had to recover from this past weekend, uh, I, I did very little and expended very little energy, especially compared to a lot of other people, um, but an improv, uh, mostly improv venue, um, but comedy venue in general, uh, called the Upstairs Gallery, that, uh, uh, is an independent, uh, venue in Chicago, um, had organized and through their first, uh, improv festival, um, and I participated in that on Saturday night, um, previously mentioned on the podcast, uh, an, an, a fellow podcast, and, uh, uh, live show in Chicago, Your Stories, it's associated with um, the group that I'm a part of, the Nerdlogs, uh, actually got to record a live podcast as a part of the Jangle Heart Festival, and uh, Eric Garneau, um, the host and curator of that event and podcast, invited me to speak on it um, as a fellow podcaster, so that was pretty cool. I, I felt a little... Um, just slightly out of place as uh, the other people that were there have been 
creating their podcasts for much longer than I have, but that's okay. Um, it, I think it created a cool, um, environment and, uh, variety. Uh, we actually had, um, uh, a, the Joran Gargello, who's a really great Chicago improviser, um, and hosts a podcast called, um, the Department of Promethean Science uh, was there, and that was great. He's so smart and uh, always has the most interesting of things to say and to, to improvise about, in my opinion. Uh, Tim Dunn, host of a podcast that I've actually been a guest on before called uh, Talking Games with Tim and Clayton was there, um, fellow Nerlog member and f- kind of future podcast host, I guess, is the easiest way to say that. Stay tuned. Um, Chris Geiger was there, uh, and um, Mark Coulomb, who used to host the Poor Choices podcast, and now his uh, podcast is called An Hour With Your Ex. Uh, And a very cool thing, um, an L.A. podcaster who was in town with her um, improv group uh, to perform at the festival, who Eric saw at a show the night before our recording and invited, um, named Aaron McGathy, uh, whose show is called This Feels Terrible, uh, was there, and she told this really great, mostly traumatizing story. I can't wait to uh, post the link to that uh, in a future episode once um, once that goes live, because I think it was really fun, and there were some great stories from some fellow uh, Chicago and outside of Chicago uh, podcasters, it was really cool to meet Aaron and, uh, those other guys who I hadn't, most of whom I'd kind of met before, um, but yeah, I I felt it was nice to be a small part of that, um, experience, and I did some tech for some shows that night, uh, that it was just really cool atmosphere, and the, the whole weekend between, um, the first Jago Heart Festival and the last shows at the Annoyance Space before it moves to Lake View, uh, which is really cool to be a part of. I've, you know, always amazed at, at this community in general. Um, lastly, I'd like to uh, plug some shows because I'm bad about doing that, so I'm going to start about being better at it. <laughs> uh, on September 8th, the Nerlogs have our monthly sketch show um, at 7 o'clock at the Public House Theater in Chicago. I am actually directing that show. Uh, so you can come and critique it as much as you would like. Um, my Playground Team Squall has shows, uh, when this is released, it will be tonight, August 28th, at 8 o'clock at the Playground, and tomorrow night, August 29th, at 8 o'clock at the Upstairs Gallery, and next Tuesday the 3rd, also at the Playground, um... And my one group, my team, Reagan Reagan, is starting a weekly Wednesday show that we're very excited about on September 18th, so I'll go ahead and tease that one. Uh, without further ado, here is uh, Alex Talavera and I's uh, discussion on um, his topic, no, Re- no Reservations with Anthony Bourdain, a show that I have never seen an episode of. Oh boy! Um, but he was great, and uh, and really gave me a lot of insight onto what the show is like and why he's intrigued by it. So hope you enjoy it. 
My guest today is Alex Talavera. Hello. Uh, Alex and I have been performing with the Nerdlogs together for a few months, but Alex has been a member of the Nerdlogs since its inception. I, I, former member of the Nerdlogs. I, I know. I, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to get pedantic about it. Uh, but yes. Has, has been uh, a member and always will be. Ah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Alex is uh, is leaving Chicago in a week and a half. Not two weeks. Two yeah. weeks. Um, so I wanted to catch him before he left. Get him in on some MBS and goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is the goodness, you guys. This, this, this is the goodness. <laughs> uh, so why don't you introduce what you want to be talking about? Okay, uh, so as I was explaining to you earlier, mm-hmm. uh, I had no idea what I wanted to talk about until about... Uh, Ten minutes before Mary Beth got here, <laughs> uh, and I was I was making prepping some stuff for dinner tonight, and I thought about like like food. I'm like that's a that's a dumb topic. Uh, <laughs> and I thought about like just cooking in general, um, and then I actually thought about like uh, the thing that I want to talk about, <laughs> which is uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, which uh, is awesome. Which is a combination of all the things I want to talk about anyway, which is like food and traveling and. Uh, just kind of the outlandish life that yeah. mo- that most people will never ever have. Right. That this dude gets to embark on, uh, and how jealous and how much I hate him. <laughs> I really hate him, but you know I'm just jealous of his life. Cool. Uh, there's a certain amount to be said for jealousy. That's jealousy and hate, or I guess hatred that's rooted in jealousy. Sure. That's what I meant yeah. to say. Uh, what was the inception of your love for this show? Were you like a from season one watcher of it? Um, I no, actually, he. So I don't know what it was or who it was through, but mm-hmm. he did this before it was no reservation. There, okay. was, there was some show I don't even remember what channel it was on where they sent him out, and I think B-E-T. it was yeah, it probably <laughs> he's, he's, he's redbone. Um, <laughs> Stupid! I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was basically the same thing. They sent him out, and he... I think it was more travel-focused than food-focused, but he'd go to these places. And I caught one episode, uh, and I didn't know who he was, and I was like, this is interesting. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, was whether you knew who Anthony Bourdain was. No clue. Because he had a bit of a following and an establishment before No Reservation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so he wrote a book uh, that I... Kitchen Confidential. He wrote this book. Oh, right, 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 right. And it's basically about, like, this kind of, about the seedy underbelly of the food industry, uh-huh. and basically, like, how all uh, chefs are all cracked out, and, like, <laughs> they kind of party all the time, and yeah. nothing's really as sanitary as it yeah. appears to be. I and... feel like that's, I feel like you hear about stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Maybe now more that he, under you know did Kitchen Confidential and has done a bunch of other stuff since then. I feel also if you ever had a roommate who worked in a, in a restaurant. Yeah, like, exactly. All my roommates and, like, best friends worked in the service industry, and they fucking party so goddamn hard. Yeah. You know, they get yeah. off work at midnight. Mm-hmm. And, and just they, start then. Yeah. And have to get the whole night into two or three hours or yeah. some shit like the, that. You know, they'll, they'll blast it until sunrise and yeah. then sleep until their shift the next yeah, day. Yeah, my friend Andy that I was just talking to you about, he used to work at a uh, melting pot restaurant, one of the fondue yeah. places in Greenville, like, I think over a summer between while he was in school, and... The male uh, servers 
Wood. Uh, this is disgusting. Uh, sorry, Andy. Uh, this is also the same Andy who I told that my, your stories about that we the cop story. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, he and the other male servers would uh, work their um, uh, testicles out of their pants behind uh-huh. their server like aprons <laughs> and when they were serving food they would like have competitions to see if they could uh get their testicles to touch the table <laughs> while serving the food is that not like I, like when i heard that i was like this is some waiting shit like that's yeah that I have a buddy who waiting was like his favorite movie because yeah. he was like, "Oh, that's totally it's how it is." What it is, and and uh, that's super gross, by the mm. way. And also the melting pot. Yeah, they got them goddamn hot. Uh, right, like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like the best idea. And he was like, "Yeah, we would always try to do it like without using our hands and like try to leave like little prints on the table." And I was like, "That is fucking disgusting." <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, you got to do something to keep you sane." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "That's gross." That, that, so uh, so exactly that. So yeah. I guess the book was just about fucking nuts Stories. on tables. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, nuts on tables. And he got. I wish he'd call it that. It's okay. <laughs> probably his first draft. <laughs> <laughs> nuts on tables by Anthony Board. Uh, he wrote that I guess he got kind of it it was a bestseller or something like Mm -hmm. that and then from that he kind of uh, I guess leveraged that into some kind of celebrity chef like you know he he owned a restaurant and I guess that was it sure but then somewhere along the lines either he or someone got the good idea to be like hey let's fucking send this guy out he's kind of a character smokes Mm -hmm. and drinks a lot and swears uh, and have him travel and I it was before it was no reservation, I don't know what the fuck it was called, but it was some episode about Japan, and I'm like, I'm like obsessed with Japan. Yeah. Uh, and so I was watching it, and I just remember thinking, like, because, uh, like, I couldn't figure out who the fuck he was, uh-huh. he, and he definitely didn't seem like a regular, you know, like most of those travel hosts, they're like very, like... They know exactly what they they're They know doing. what the fuck they're yeah. talking about. Even the fucking guy from, you know, Man vs. Food yeah. knows how to... They know the lay of the land, mm-hmm. they've read some guidebooks and shit, and mm-hmm. this dude was just kind of like, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what is here. Yeah, and just eating amazing food, and then making cracking jokes every once in a while. Right. And, I, and like, I remember thinking, I'm like, this is a motherfucking job? <laughs> I'm like, this fucking guy, I'm like, I could do that? This right. fucking guy just gets to go around to Japan eating beautiful food and just yeah. fucking cracking jokes between, yeah. like, drags of his cigarette. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, and then that was it. I never saw that, whatever incarnation of that was, I never saw it again. Uh-huh. And then I found out who the fuck the dude was. And then uh-huh. No Reservations came out. And I was like, oh, that fucking guy. And, uh-huh. I, and I watched it. And I love the show, but I seriously, like, I fucking, every time an episode finishes, I'm like, motherfucker. Fucker. <laughs> I hate him so much. Motherfucker. I want to do that thing. Yeah, they just, you know, they sent him out to the fucking, just like, southern Italy, and he's uh-huh. there at like a, a vinery or whatever, and uh-huh. you know, vineyards, and he's just drinking wine and getting shit-faced, and they're, they're just stuffing him full of pasta. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I know you wrote a book, but like, <laughs> this, why are they rewarding you like this? They're treating so, you like a king. Like, let's be honest, Alex. <laughs> yeah. This is, we're getting into the like, this is by WTF, Mark Marion style. Sure. <laughs> uh, so you're leaving Chicago to, ostensibly to write a book yeah. in Denver. Working title, Nuts on Tables. <laughs> Working title, Nuts on Tables. Uh, I give you my permission. You have my blessing. Uh, you just want to be Anthony Bourdain. I- 
I want to be Anthony <laughs> Bourdain like other kids want to be Batman. Right. Like, That's I'm saying you think that this book's going to be Kitchen Confidential. If, if, and then if that happens, I will not fight it. <laughs> <laughs> if for some reason this book ingratiates me to the restaurant industry or the yep. travel industry or both, I am super happy about yep, that. Yep. And like I was telling you before, that story about Aziz Ansari... If you end up posting pictures on your Twitters yep. and GQ will send you to Japan, I see your game is all I'm really getting at. <laughs> I see your f- game, sir. I don't, yeah, <laughs> it, it's transparent at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, I want to be Anthony Bourdain, right. and I, I want people to pay me right. to travel the globe uh-huh. uh, eating delicious food and drinking, because that's as far as I can tell, that's all, all he, he does. does. I, I know he's probably a producer or some shit. He's got some uh, back-end job uh, responsibility. But I think his real job is just enduring the hardship <laughs> of being sent all over the world and eating at five-star restaurants. I'd like the podcast listeners to know that Alex put quotes around enduring. <laughs> I, I air-quoted <laughs> Because no one's enduring anything uh, in that situation. No, and like, if you guys, first of all, for listeners who have not seen Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, like... I honestly don't think I have. You should check it out. It's it's cool. It's like a, it's a combination between a travel show and a cooking show. Mm -hmm. And and with this charismatic, admittedly, uh, just kind of smarmy New York asshole who smokes cigarettes and gets drunk and and just talks about, you know, the, the food cultures of these different countries. But like... It's seven or eight seasons long, mm-hmm. you know, to ten to twenty he goes episodes. To a completely different place for every episode. Well, I was about to say, like, they fucking ran out of places to send him. This guy has been all over the. Yeah, he's been in so many places that, like, towards the later seasons, they're like, they're sending him to like regions of Canada. That, really? Yeah, just like they're like, we fucking already sent him everywhere else on the God. planet. Like. There's no food culture in Antarctica, but what the fuck? We'll send them down there and make them eat a seal and, or something. Yeah, I was going to say, have some ice fishermen yeah. pull something out of the ground. It's crazy. He, like, he's been to basically every corner of the globe hmm. eating all their shit. Like, and, and, and this guy's like, you know, he's, he started this career, I think, when he was 40s or whatever. But uh-huh. like, he's still a youngish dude. Like, doesn't, it's, doesn't his wife have some sort of like... Does it, is it she sort of high profile or have some sort of following? Am I thinking of the right person? I don't know. Actually, I it might be, but oh, okay. as, from what I understand... I may be thinking of... No, I think it's Anthony Bourdain. I can't remember his wife's name, but I think she's like one of those people who has a bunch of Twitter followers and like housewives <laughs> are like... Oh, really? Cl- you know, pawing at her, you know, reply to everything she tweets and all that shit. I don't know. I can't imagine... Maybe. And also, if if so, I think it's his second wife or whatever, because from what I understand, just from him doing... From having this fucking amazing experience, his, like, entire life perspective changed, and I think he got divorced. Right. Because, like, he's like, like, I'm a totally different human being now after seeing all of the world. Literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that's what happened, but I don't know if that's actually true. I'm not sure. Maybe it isn't an ex-wife or something. I can't remember. I just know uh, Julie Klausner, the New York mm-hmm. comedian that I like a lot, uh, bitches about her a lot. Like, <laughs> more specifically, like, her than him. I can't remember. I would have to look it up. Someone at home is doing that Jeopardy Yeah, someone thing. is, like, someone <laughs> is uh, in the aisles. Uh, with no, pop- it's not Anthony Bourdain. It's Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> you stupid son of a... <laughs> yeah, like, uh, so my apologies uh, if that's completely wrong. Um, well, you. I was just about to ask if you thought he was, like, 
enthusiastic or charismatic. He he is. I mean, I've like I said, I want to be the dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's. I mean, he's he's funny and mm-hmm. he's charismatic and he. I guess he. By this point, you couldn't not know food. Right, but, yeah. But, you know, he was a chef and did work in the kitchen and put in his dues and stuff like that. So, and, like, he's, uh, he fancies himself a writer, so he's he's got a good vocabulary, I guess. Right. But, like, and he's entertaining to watch because he is such a goddamn character. Right. Um, it's not really, like, I have a problem with him. I just can't fucking believe somebody, like, somebody the universal fucking lottery you have to win yeah. to land that gig. Yeah. Like... <laughs> It's it's bonkers. It's yeah. so bonkers, and uh, and I just like I look at that, and you know we're talking about like Aziz Ansari, just kind of becoming friends with celebrity chefs because he loves food, right? Man, that's like that's some shit that ninety nine percent of the population is Will just never no. be able to tap into. No, no, ever, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, oh gosh, I was gonna ask something else about him. Uh, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, does he, like, does he review the food in particular, or he just like, yeah, this is what this is, now I'm gonna eat it and you're gonna watch? Yeah, I mean, like, he reviews it by basically saying, like, holy shit, this is delicious. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, I think every once in a while when when he goes to the place that has particularly kind of foreign or weird food, Mm -hmm. you know, he'll usually kind of just be like, oh shit, that's whatever, you know. But, like, he doesn't really review the food. He just gets to go and eat. And, like, he, you know, they, they hook him up with, like, a fixer in every place that he lands. Mm-hmm. Somebody who knows the language and also, like, all the best spots and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And him and this fixer and his camera crew will just dr- go around street market to street market just eating the shit out of the place. <laughs> what are some of your favorite uh, places? I would, uh, let's say, favorite, um, go into Japan first. Because sure. I would love for you to talk about, like, your own experience in sure. Japan and his. Just because I know that was your introduction to him yeah. as a host. Uh, but also I'd love to hear about, like, some places that he's been or foods that he's eaten that you had, you would have had no concept of right on. before you saw it. Yeah, and actually, and, and another way, as I say, that is a good part of the show. Is that it's definitely, like, exposed me to places and food cultures that I never heard of. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Japan, for sure... Uh, I I lived in Japan for two years, mm-hmm. uh, teaching English out there. Um, but even before that, I was like super into. Uh, Jap- I was like a big like just <laughs> Japan nerd. Yeah, yeah, you liked Japanimation. I liked I like the Japanimation, <laughs> as uh, assholes like to call it. Uh, but you know, I, I studied Japanese in college. Um, basically, that came out of already speaking Spanish and I needed a foreign language. <laughs> and uh, I, I I was like, well, I'll just I'm not gonna you know I might as well use this to. Take advantage, I'm in college here, so I took Japanese. Did you already have an interest in anime? No, not, I mean, not really. I, no. I, I knew friends who were kind of into it, but like, I'd seen, like, Ghost in the Shell and shit mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so, through that, I kind of met some cool Japanese kids and was exposed a bit more to the culture. Uh, and also, like, just from, like, wanting to be a ninja, I guess, <laughs> as a kid. I, I thought, knew there had to be some... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was why I asked about anime, but yeah. wanting to be a ninja makes sense. Yeah, de- definitely, like, the, like, the idea of ninjas as a thing, I'm like, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and when I moved out there, uh, obviously it was it was awesome, and, uh-huh. and I, I, I was really immersed in the food culture out there, and... Uh, it's a lot of rice, but, uh, <laughs> but like one of the things that uh, that Bourdain, I guess, does every time he goes out there, they always fucking go to the same two places, Tokyo and Kyoto, uh. um, and like 
that's those are the two basic kind of, well yeah like Tokyo is the, the mega city mm-hmm. and then Kyoto is like the like that's like the cultural heart of Japan mm-hmm. like that's like where all like the old architecture still cool. remains there's lots of uh, beautiful temples and stuff like that and are lot... they in two different islands no same on the same main island um, but like the big one's called Japan no oh, uh, oh man someone's gonna crucify me uh, <laughs> Jeopardy, Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, that's okay. what, what is the main island called? Well, anyway, they're, okay. they're on the main island, okay. um, and so they, they they basically always go stick to those two places. There was one episode where they go to uh, Osaka, which is like Osaka is Chicago to Tokyo's New York. Oh, cool! Um, it's it's the second city, and mm-hmm. it's like it's got like a really but there's still super cool shit there. Oh yeah, it's super yeah. awesome shit, and they have like a really awesome uh, fried food culture. Nice. Yeah, they're like uh. they're obsessed with like so literally it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, Chicago is such a, like, it's a, shitty... It's actually almost a perfect parallel right. between New York and... I was gonna say shitty food, but I really just mean, like, food that's terrible for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're, like, uh, fried octopus balls, oh. uh, which are... Uh, that sounds not like... No, not, not like, like an octopus's testicle. Yeah, not nuts on tables. Uh, <laughs> not fried nuts on tables. But, yeah, like... No, no, that sounds great. Yeah. I, I meant that as a, like, oh my gosh, that sounds like something I would eat. Yeah, fried octopus balls, like, just anything on a stick. Like, you mm. can get any kind of meat you want on a stick. Lots of street yes, markets yeah, it's a and giant, like that. Yes, it's a giant street food uh, environment. Um, and so they did that, and they talked about that shit, and I was like, yeah, every time I watch that shit, I just keep wanting them to like uh, focus on stuff that I already saw and ate, and, right. like, and like and to cheer it as much as I cheer yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like the number one thing that they kind of they keep touching on it, and I and, like for me, it's my favorite part is like, uh, you know, what an izakaya is. Mm-mm. So it's basically a Japanese pub. And, uh, izakaya. Izakaya, and uh, and there's a couple in Chicago. I've not been to one. That cool. has yet to be like this fucking nails it, oh. but they're pretty close. But like you go there, it's this place that like they're always really small. You usually said about like you know fifteen, twenty people or something like that. Mm-hmm. You go in there after work, you have a fucking couple beers, and then there's just some like proprietor there just making shit, and she just it's always just little things uh-huh. that they fucking have in the fridge. And they, you uh-huh. know, they'll, they'll grill some chicken for you or whatever, and they'll make or they'll make like little little sashimi or something like that. Uh-huh. But it's not fancy food. It's just like it's just working, man. It's just little food for you to eat. While yeah, you, you just eat, you just eat chicken and shit. That while sounds drinking amazing. Beer. It's the best shit in the world, especially if you had like a shitty day at work. Yeah, like you just get there and you're so tired, and like this lady's just like, "Hey, here, here's some fucking food." Awesome. Uh, some of them don't have menus. You just yeah, I, that's what it sounded like. Yeah, they just fucking put out what they got, and uh, you know, you you can eat it or not eat it. It's up to you. But, uh, how, where are the ones in Chicago? I, the, there's one, there was one on, like, Lincoln. Uh-huh. Um, like, maybe diversity in Lincoln. Oh, okay. But it was, like, crazy highfalutin, like, oh, compared to the places that yeah, I went. Yeah, so, because it was, like, it was yeah, a I feel like that happens a lot, though. I feel like that happens a lot with, with, uh, with concepts, especially from other countries, where it's, like, this, supposed to be this homey, uh, you know, laid-back thing in that country, and then when we find out about it in the U.S., we're like, oh, man, this sounds so cool, let's jazz it up, yeah, but it yeah. ends up being, like, totally defeating the purpose. Absolutely. <laughs> it, I, I mean, the food was fine, and, and they had beer, yeah. but, like, it just didn't have the, it wasn't the same feel, it wasn't mm-hmm. the same attitude. I, I, I would recommend, uh, there is one out in Arlington Heights. Oh, cool. That, uh, to... Uh, two Japanese friends of mine who were here in, living in Chicago for a while, 
they they heard about it through the grapevine and they took me out there and that shit was the bomb. Awesome. Um, I couldn't find it if you fucking gave me money though. Really? I don't, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, up there in Arlington Heights, there's a pretty big Korean and and to a point Japanese uh, population culture. Yeah, and so there's there's like markets and stuff like that. Cool. But, um, so like that shit. Every time I watch the show, I'm really just. I'm watching Anthony Bourdain eat shit that I like to eat, and I mm. want him to disagree with me about it, mostly. <laughs> I guess in that sense, I kind of... Tell get... me how you feel about yeah, those octopus yeah. nuts on tables, Anthony. Oh, verify my opinions. <laughs> yeah. Well, where uh, where else have you spent some time that he's been, that uh, you really clung to those? Well, so, yeah, so, like, Tokyo, Kyoto, or in Japan, or just in general? In general. Thai, Thailand, for sure, was, like, the, that was, like, uh, I, this is, like, what I tell anybody I've ever talked to about Thailand is that I didn't eat one bad meal. Really? In that country. Ugh. Every fucking thing I ate was delicious. Awesome. Everything I ate was off some cart off the street. Yeah. It was all dirt cheap, and it was the fucking bomb. I, like. Did you go there while you were living in Japan, or? Uh, right after, at the end of my tenure out there, I took a, a, vaca- a long vacation after, before coming back to the States. Cool. And I went out to uh, Bangkok with a buddy of mine, and then we also just went, like, island hopping. A little, a few yeah. other places. Cool. But, like, if, if the food's immense. It's mm-hmm. it's so goddamn good, especially mm-hmm. if you, like, I'm, like, really into spicy food. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so if you like spicy foods, like, they're, they got what you want. Uh-huh. But, uh... That that place is the shit, and every like whenever I was watching the Thailand episode, of course, he's eating the fucking street food, and it's you know it's the same shit. It's just yeah, like it's keep, not like eating a shitty hot dog out of a boiled pot of water. No, in, it, in, you yeah, know, exactly. Well, I mean, I guess it's whatever that equivalent is because it doesn't. It's not like it's not fucking sparkling clean or anything, right? It's, right. <laughs> I just mean like there's nothing special no, about no. a hot dog out of a pot of water. Nope, it's, it may be dirty, yeah. but it still it, tastes delicious. Yeah, it's incredible. And I just like uh, I like watching this guy <laughs> eat this food and be like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does this taste so good? This is so amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Japan, Thailand. Uh, I you know, I spent some time in, in like all uh, kids who had <laughs> who have a little bit of scratch. I went to Western Europe and backpacked around. Um, but I didn't really get that immersed in the food culture out there. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I mean, I had enough money to get out there. And, and Yeah, uh, I feel the same way. I went out study abroad my junior year of college, uh, as I mentioned last night in my Your Story. Uh, but I didn't really have an opportunity to experience that much food. I mean, I feel like I ate a native thing everywhere that I went, but at the same time, like, I could barely afford to go on the trip. Right. And buy food for sustenance, let alone, like, food to see what kinds of things I liked in the places that we were, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, the only place that, at the time, I could afford to eat at, and this was, this was like, when I uh, was in Prague. Oh, yeah. Um, because at the time, like, the dollar was still crazy strong against uh, the corona or, yeah, whatever, or right. whatever it was. I think you're right. Um, and... We fucking, me and my buddies that were out there with, we went out and got, like, steak dinners every night oh, and shit. And, God. like, just all these, uh, you know, like, all these, like, braised pork dishes and shit uh-huh. like that, which was amazing. So, and that was basically the only place. Everywhere else, I was like, I will take one baguette, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I was in France, I ate, uh, I ate a lot of bread. Uh, I mean, I was, I was in France for, like, three days. We just went on a weekend trip uh, uh, while we were in London. Okay. Uh, so I went to Paris for three days. 
and we ate like their street hot dogs are just baguettes with holes in them yep. with a hot dog in the middle of the baguette. <laughs> and so even though it's the simplest thing, it's still delicious because it's not a like soggy bun. Yeah, it's just... a French baguette. Yeah, that's some good shit. <laughs> and it was the same way with uh, with wine. Like we went out and bought like five euro bottles of wine expecting it to be terrible. And it was some of the best wine I've probably ever had. <laughs> Dude, it, uh, this is totally off topic, but, uh, like, I was actually talking to uh, Allison, my lovely wife. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically, I, I read some article somewhere that, like, the cost of wine in America is hyperinflated. Yeah. Uh, compared to other countries that produce wine. Like, mm-hmm. most people, like, their go-to daily bottle of wine is, like, three, four, five bucks. Ugh. And the equivalent of that is the $10 to $15 bottle of wine. Decent bottle yeah. of wine. Like, like, they have real shit wine, but yeah. that stuff's like a buck. Yeah. Um, God, that's so frustrating. And so, you know, the, the wine that we drink here is, you know, it's all middle of the road shit. It's just mm-hmm. priced way the fuck out of bounds for what it is. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, you can go to France or Germany. Uh, Germany in particular, they were saying, like, you can go and just get, like, a really excellent, like, $5 bottle of Gosh. wine. That's borderline infuriating. Uh, which, yeah, which bums me the fuck <laughs> That's out. That's so infuriating. Yeah, yeah and, and... I mean, you have, you have, you've had Charles Shaw from yeah, Trader Joe's, right? Yeah. That shit is great. Yeah. For, and it's $3. The price, uh, I actually had, like... Uh, the the reason they can keep it so... So the price so low, and this, I don't want to dissuade anyone from drinking Charles Shaw, is basically... They go out and they just fucking buy out vineyards that are struggling, uh-huh. and then they say, "Keep making the wine, and we're going to call it Charles Shaw." Yeah, and so that's so they have a massive amount of producers huh. to to make that Charles Shaw wine. I heard wasn't isn't there also some sort of uh, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but it was like someone's someone owned the uh, vineyard and they got divorced and like one of the that's a possibility that sounds okay. right I don't, okay. I, I don't I, know I, all the details but I think this is a true story I think uh, I think it was a married couple and mm-hmm. they got divorced and one of them got the rights to the vineyard and the other one like had the rights to uh, its sale or something like that so to undercut the uh, the other person in the excuse me marriage they made all the wine really really low priced so that they like wouldn't make as much money off of it i didn't know that it was something like that i i've heard the story pretty recently um but i also wouldn't be surprised if that's also an aspect of it of like buying out other vineyards that that i know for uh for a fact because like i know uh my i have a couple friends from back home who are like really big wine people and Uh they're they're super anti-charles shaw because of that uh, uh, and so I'm always like, yeah, but it's three dollars. <laughs> like I'm poor, and yeah. it's pretty good wine. It's pretty good wine for three bucks, you guys. Is, uh, so, have you had their Shiraz? Yeah, it's like, it's solid. You fucking decant that shit for an hour. It's like yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's like you're buying a ten dollar bottle of wine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and okay. so to steer right back. Yeah, that's the other thing that this fucking guy, mm. uh, this Bourdain character, gets up to. He gets blasted drunk at every country he goes uh, to. It's it, or it seems like, and yeah. not, not like even as like a stunt or an aspect part of the show. He's just drinking. Just really, he's just drinking the entire time. And like if he goes to like Spain or someplace with a decent wine country, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll just fucking drink light him like up. Six bottles. Yeah, six, dollars, it's six glasses of wine. This guy has the. He's living the fucking dream, man. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, like he'll go out. You know, the, the, if he's in Tokyo, they'll, he'll go out to the fucking Tokyo like. Rapungi nightclub scene, uh-huh. and they'll just go to like bar after bar after bar, or like there's a there's a oh, there's a bunch of shit like this in Japan. This is actually part of their cultures. Like 
there's always one dude out there who's who's pursuing like the perfect blank. Oh, okay. And so uh, there's a bar out there. I, I think I want to say it's called Bar High Five or some shit like that. Uh-huh. Where, like this guy is basically like uh, considered like Japan's, if not Asia's, and then arguably if not the world's greatest like cocktail maker. Oh god! And so they fucking go to this bar, and this guy is just making these like exquisitely crafted, oh, gosh. like, like. Actually, physically beautiful mm-hmm. fucking martinis that this guy's just slamming down. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, Bourdain. <laughs> and and you just watch this, you're like, they're fucking giving him money. Mm-hmm. They're giving him money to do this. Mm-hmm. You son of a bitch. Do you think the places that they go get pretty decently? Uh, do you think they get paid pretty well? Do you think they get decent, like, visualization? I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's, the publicity aspect is definitely gotta be part of it. Uh-huh. I don't know if they get, I, I don't know idea if they recomps them, but like, yeah. uh, I mean. It seems like if you go to a foreign enough place and the only people watching this show are Americans, yeah. you're not really gonna see any of that effect. Right, Because right. most Americans don't travel out of the country, period. <laughs> uh, it's just a fact. Like, there's something like 5% of Americans own a passport. Is that uh, true? Uh, 5 to 10, I'm Holy pretty sure. Shit. That bums me out. Yeah, that totally that, bums that me out. That could be low, but I, I, when, I went to the, when I went to the UK, uh, on my trip back, uh, the last place that I went on independent travel was uh, Geneva, Switzerland. Mm. And we were flying back from Gorgeous City. Uh... uh if we were flying back from Geneva to London to fly home, because uh, our trip was out of London, so everyone had to meet back in London to fly home together. And I sat next to this really, really nice uh, English couple, mm. and uh, they were, like, really pleased with the fact that this big group of students, uh, you know, came here. over yeah. to do it. And, you know, like, I told them about all the places we had been in Europe on our independent travel, and, like, they told me about how... Every time they go on vacation, they go somewhere else in Europe because it's so small. And they think that's pretty common for most Europeans. Uh, and then uh, one of them was actually the, the one who told me that, like, you know, pretty much everyone in the UK and Europe has a passport. I feel like, I mean, the, the fucking countries are so close in proximity. Yeah. And kind of, you know, to, right. to travel anywhere, obviously, you have to mm-hmm. leave the country, basically. And Exactly. And whereas, he, I think he said like, something like 5 to 10% of Americans have a passport. Fuck, that, if that's true, and, and it, it very well may be, that's a crazy bummer. Isn't it? And, and I, I think it's mostly because, because the U.S. is so large and, and, and uh, logistically it's so much easier to vacation within the U.S. than it is anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, I, without getting, like, all stereotypically, like, stupid fucking Americans, right. uh, we really also don't like going places where we speak the language. Right, like, yeah. I, I, I know that when I was in France... Uh, I know that I was a giant pain in the fucking ass <laughs> because I speak no French. Like, like people always complain, like, ah, Paris sucks. And, and the reason Paris no. sucks is because they're fucking used to dealing with a bunch of assholes who don't speak the language mm-hmm. coming up into their stores and not buying shit because we're all poor. So, right. like, like right. yeah, they're going to treat you a little shitty. Like, yeah. why wouldn't they? Yeah. And, and, but then when I was, like, in Spain, just being able to communicate a little bit, and God, you know, my, my so Spanish isn't far. flawless, but like I can, I can definitely hold up my end of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like it's a completely different fucking ball game, mm-hmm. and 
I do think that's a problem that a lot of people have when they travel. They don't want to go fucking deal with that shit. Sure, and I, you know, I don't know if there's a good, like, answer for that, you know? Do you... Hit up the Rosetta Stone? Right. Do you <laughs> learn a, a language just to feel like you should visit somewhere? Or, I mean, do most Europeans know a little bit of most European languages? I feel like most people at this point speak English that I think that we're a little spoiled (laughs) when you go to a place where people don't. But honestly, like, my thing is, whenever I was traveling through Asia, it's like, just fucking get a phrase book, dude. Yeah. It's it's really, like, you can get the basics across. Even Mm -hmm. if you can't pronounce it, you can just point at it, because it's usually written in whatever characters it needs to be written in. Sure. Uh, I also, yeah, I just don't think people are willing to, I mean, it's like, it's the same thing with, like, foreign film. Like, there's so many good (laughs) foreign films, and people are like, ah, I don't want to read. I I just want to watch a movie. I get a headache. (laughs) I read the subtitles. I don't want to read read a movie <laughs> yeah and, and again like I, I i feel i feel bad like jumping on the fucking bashing ignorant american yeah. bandwagon but you yeah. know what yeah there's some of us out there there's so. <laughs> there's truth to it uh i yeah i guess that i just don't know how what's the answer to that all right and it, the answer is this is this is what you gotta do mm-hmm. you become a celebrity chef <laughs> and you fucking <laughs> you get a mega corporation to bring you a goddamn translator as you roam about gallivating through North Africa <laughs> eating fucking spiced goat. Uh, yeah, I just have someone speak the language for you. So apparently that's the only way to get yeah, it done. Uh, the answer to our questions is to all become Anthony Bourdain. Uh, uh. Yeah, I just I just looked... Uh, I just looked this up. Oh, you looked up the passport thing? Yeah, because I didn't want to be... Wrong. Well, uh, also, there's, again, someone in the, someone's in the produce line right now uh, with their, their earbuds in, just going like, yeah, it, it's a 7% or some shit like that. Uh, 10 more, uh, that's uh, double the number. Ah, uh, it keeps moving. <laughs> Forbes, your website on mobile is terrible. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, under 3% of Americans. Whoa! That is... Uh, So it says there's, like, more than there have ever been? That is... No, there's no way. That's crazy. (laughs) It says over... Okay, times have changed. Over one third of the population. Double the number. Okay, there are 3%. There's, like... I mean, I, okay. I guess if you live like right in the center of the country, it's not that easy. Okay, to in the in the in the late '80s, only three percent of okay. the U.S. population had a passport. That's awesome. So that number's been like increasing gradually huh. since then. Um, uh, in the in the in 2000, during the the circulation was about uh, 50 million, which was like. Still not. <laughs> not that much. What are we, 300 million right now? Uh-huh. Okay. So 50 million would be... Three, that's like 10-ish percent. Yeah, all right. A little more than 10. Uh, still not... That's not great. Still not great. Three would have fucking... That would have made yeah. me, like, cry. So I guess in over the course of 20-plus years, we've made grand steps. But that's fucking crazy. Still I, just a little... Just around... A little over 10%. So travel is something that's, like, really... I mean, one reason I want to talk about this is, like, I fucking... Traveling is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love going places. Like, mm-hmm. as a kid, 
And I'll, granted, like, I grew up, like, 45 minutes from the U.S.-Mexico border, so it was yeah. pretty easy to do. In Arizona? Yeah, yeah. Like, we go to Mexico all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. We'd go down there just to get groceries and shit. Like, mm-hmm. if there was stuff that we wanted to buy that we couldn't right. find. Um, and I don't think back in the day... I think the borders were a little bit more fucking chilled back then. Yeah, probably. Because I didn't have a passport until I was, like, 16 or whatever, and, hmm. and uh, my parents... Probably had one, but uh, my dad's actually was a, a Mexican citizen, so he, he was fine. Uh, but I don't. I think you can just fucking go back and forth back in the day. Nowadays, I think you need the passport. But like, it's fucking right there. Canada's right there. If you live in the north, like, yeah. there's there's some badass shit up there. Like, yeah. why wouldn't I mean, you want to? I didn't, I didn't leave the country for the first time. I I went to Canada. When I was in like eighth grade, okay, uh, maybe a little before that, my family is really active in uh, Rotary, and there was a Rotary like international meeting huh. in uh, Calgary. I vaguely know what that is. A ro- it's, it's, it's a, a volunteerism. Yeah, thing. it's like a service organization, yep. basically. Um, but my my mother's uh, father was very active in Rotary. Uh, my dad's is still very active in Rotary. Uh, so we went to, like, we went to, like, the Calgary Stampede and <laughs> all of this other stuff. I think that was actually before I was in 8th grade. I, I went back to Canada in 8th grade because we went on a trip with, um, also with my mother's parents to, uh, uh, Alaska. Oh, shit. Yeah, so we went on an Alaskan tour of, like, the inside pass or the uh, cruise of the Inside Passage, and on the way back we went to Vancouver, but... Uh, they live in Seattle, or my her mom lives in Seattle. Uh, her dad's passed away since then. Um, but living in Seattle is the equivalent of my experience. Like I, exactly. I can't imagine people wouldn't just fucking go up to BC. Exactly. And... Like Vancouver's right there, yeah. and it's such a cool city. And uh, and I'm so glad to have had those experiences when I was younger. And then when I was in high school, I got to go to Ecuador. Like all this cool shit. How is Ecuador? I've never... I oh, man. Ecuador is so cool. Uh, so we flew into Quito, uh, the capital, mm-hmm. um, which is like the Denver of, <laughs> of like South America because its, it's uh, elevation is oh, wow. ridiculous. Uh, they actually have a lot... Uh, there was a lot of controversy in the last World Cup because they were afraid that Ecuador's team had been training in Quito for so long. They had an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think they kind of changed the, like, home yeah, They had one shit, though. It's, fucking Ecuador never makes it they, to the I finals. Think they, they got a little bit farther last year than anyone expected them to, and I think that's why it made... That's it, bullshit. Like, that was Brazil. It, that was Brazil it, pulling some shit. Yeah, like, they don't, they don't so, like any other... But it was so, we spent a few days in, in Quito, and then we went to the Galapagos Islands. Oh, no joke? Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Guys, this podcast is taking a completely different, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about Anthony Bourdain anymore. That, uh, that's I mean, fucking, that's incredible. It was amazing. That, was that for like, when was this? Uh, when I was in high school at the Governor School. God damn, man, that's fucking cool. Yeah, I, I, I briefly mentioned it in I think you did, first... and I, I might have just... No, I mean, it was during a monologue, it doesn't... Yeah, uh, yeah why like, should I be listening? Why, <laughs> but why would you like pinpoint that one thing that I mentioned briefly in like a five to ten minute monologue? Oh, they got Komodo dragons and shit out there. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, uh, we got to, it, we, we had kind of like a July master type thing, mm-hmm. uh, or a, a January, um, mini master in between our fall term and our spring term. Uh, and my senior year, I, we 
that my class that I took was a 10-day trip to Ecuador. <laughs> uh, from from uh, my experience with no reservations, mm-hmm. I know uh, that... Uh, they eat guinea pig guinea there. Pig, yeah. <laughs> Did you have any of that shit? Yeah. Oh, it, it's shit! It's real, like, gamey. Damn, yeah, that's fucking awesome! Yeah, yeah, I... yeah. It's so common. Like, you can get it pretty much anywhere you go in Ecuador. I heard it's not bad. It, I, I like gamier meat, so... It's fine, but it's just real gamey. Yeah. And there's, like, not much meat there. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine there's a lot of bones. But it's fucking weird to see tiny cooked, like, <laughs> guinea pigs. <laughs> uh, when I was in... When I was in Kyoto, actually, like, you can fucking... One of the things that, like, you can get on the street is just, like, these roasted, like, squabs. Oh, yeah. And it's just a whole fucking baby bird on a stick <laughs> that they fucking barbecue up for you. <laughs> and, uh, and my mom my mom came out to visit me, my mom and my dad and my sister, and they came out to visit me, and, and she saw, like, chicken or whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. So she ordered up, too. And then... <laughs> and she, you know, comes back with these two squabs, uh, just... Roasted on a stick, and like you just eat the whole fucking thing. Like it's it's all the bones are still soft enough that you just weird. Yeah, dude, you just tear into it. My mom was like, "No, I'm not fucking eating that shit. I ate both weird. of them. They're great." <laughs> uh, what uh, what are some places that you've seen on the show that you don't think you ever would have thought would have the type of culture that they have? Um, you remember any there, yeah, the the one in particular that I was like, "What the fuck?" Was the um, there's a there's a part of northern France um, that is basically like it's it's more English than it is French cool um, I god damn it, I'm, I'm blanking on what it's called Norris. but um, they had this very very cool like kind of it, it was a very French kind of tradition of, of food culture but it was all the food was like way more British seeming oh. and it was like but it was also like a lot of like seafood and shit like that uh-huh. but it just seemed like it's a completely different um have you been to spain before yeah i went to barcelona okay so while i was on study abroad and like it, the same way that like uh northern spain like san sebastian the catalonian region mm-hmm. is kind of its own fucking part of spain mm-hmm. that's like this with france there's cool. this weird fucking part of france where like the french is a little fucking different yeah and, i've heard that before and and like yeah they're they they're they consider themselves the, like, the dialect is yeah different. the dialect's different and and they consider themselves descendants of uh, the anglos and stuff hmm. like that so uh kind of like northern ireland without being its own yeah, country right and uh and I'd never fucking heard of that shit. I didn't know that that was a thing. Cool. I felt a little dumb. Cool. Uh, their food looked great. Lots I mean, of, you're telling me things yeah. <laughs> that I didn't know, so... Uh, that was really fucking cool. And then also, um, I the other place that I'm obsessed with other than Japan is the Middle East. Um, and it, it bums me out that I probably won't be able to go visit the yeah. Middle East yeah. uh, as an American anytime in the next... I don't know, 10, 20 years. Yeah. I think shit's just too hot over there. I know people that have gone to Cairo and shit like that, and they said it's, that it's fine or whatever. I mean, Egypt, even now, I feel like in the last few years has been becoming... That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I know that there's definitely region. people who are like, nah, hike up your skirt, Grandma. Like, you could definitely go to the Middle no. East. But there's a the part of me that's kind of like, yeah, but... Would I be able to get back? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so, like, I am really interested in anybody who travels to the Middle East and kind of documents there because that's a that's a part of the world and that's a culture that like I'm really really fascinated by also fucking love the food so I'm just like yes you fucking eat that goat like oh, yeah, man, yeah that's yeah. gonna be some good shit or like yeah just roasting it over a spit uh-huh. oh that's the bomb um I'll watch any of that shit um and also like uh my brother and I had this plan to 
this planet has never come to fruition <laughs> and will never come to fruition unless we really get off our asses. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to, we're, our goal is to backpack across or down, I should say, uh, South America. Cool. Um, and, and so like, we know you I've, should go to Ecuador. Yeah, I well, I know a buddy who's been there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, like, I'm, I'm I know a little bit about Brazil and Argentina, but there's other parts of South America that I don't really know shit about. Mm-hmm. So I like seeing anything that's going on in there, and also I'm also listening to the Spanish cool. <laughs> to just yeah, be yeah, like, yeah. could I fucking could get... I make my way through? Yeah, this could I make my way through actually there? knowing these. Uh, uh, dialects. Yes, or, exactly. I mean, in Brazil's mostly Portuguese. It's all yes. Portuguese, yeah. But my buddy lived out there. He doesn't speak. He doesn't speak Spanish or anything, uh, and he did all right. And he, cool. he said, "Yeah, you can get by basically, okay." And he said, "If you cool. speak Spanish, most people know what you're talking about." Interesting. Yeah. My my friend Mac uh, is one of my best friends from high school. Um, he's in the Peace Corps right now in Mozambique, Ooh. and their uh, their language is most closely related to Portuguese. Oh, really? So before he went, and, like, while when he first got there, he had to learn Portuguese, and he was getting pretty good at it, and then he got there and actually started talking to the local people in the the city that he lives in. I, I can't remember what the name of the city Mozambique-berg. is. Mozambiqueburg. Uh, Mozambiqueburg. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Oh, well. Um, (laughs) I read his blog and everything. Like, I've I've kept in pretty good touch with him. He's been there, uh, over a year now. Um, but he, it was completely different from Portuguese, but that was just, like, the closest thing they can find to that language, basically, and, and speaking Portuguese gets him close enough. You know, like they, you said. There's, a, there's like, a few shared nouns or something right, like that. Yeah, yeah, like you being able to speak Spanish might get you close enough in Brazil. I think it's a pretty similar situation where, like, if he could stumble through Portuguese, they'd kind of know what he was. Yeah, but he's also, like, do. learning a lot about what their actual, like, more specific language is. I mean, it's essentially full immersion. <laughs> he's yeah. lived there for over a year. Yeah, my Japanese got a lot better than I was in Japan. I'm sure. But. And, but there's, like, really, every once in a while, he'll write a really short blog post that's only, like, a language uh, idiosyncrasy. Um, so he's trying to order, um, like, a scoop of ice cream, and he wanted it in a cone. <laughs> and so he, like, asked for what he thought that would get him, and uh, apparently what he asked for was, like, can I put my balls in your vagina what? or something like that? No! No! <laughs> That's like a fucking. That's like a fucking 80s comedy movie. I'm not kidding. Like, uh, it was like. The sexy... I, I don't know. I, I think it was partially slang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was partially slang, but it was also partially like the different pronunciation <laughs> in a vowel or something like that. But it had something. It was something like pretty close to that. That's pretty bad. And, and she just like laughed and gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> She, like, laughed and just like, well, okay. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, well, the last question that I usually ask, now that I've told a story about one of my friends putting their balls on the table yep. at a um, melting pot, and a story about one of my friends asking for if he could put his balls in some uh, ice cream mm-hmm. vendor's vagina, the last thing I usually ask is, uh, how do you feel, and I think you've touched on this a little bit, uh, but how do you feel that um, being a fan and someone who's watched this show and, and having this, um, you know, if you know, Anthony Bourdain's no reservations really be a part of something that you're interested in. 
How do you feel like that's affected your life uh, uh, oh. in in general and also creatively? Interesting. Uh, it's definitely affected my life in the in the sense that uh, th- this guy is he's one of. Uh, the other group of people that are like this that I fucking look at them and I'm like, I can't fucking believe that's your life mm-hmm. um, are the two dudes who created Penny Arcade oh. who now run PAX and, uh, cool. and just, they basically have this fucking empire. Penny Arcade is just webcomic. It's just a webcomic. Okay. It's just a webcomic but these fucking guys, they have like a charity and a, a scholarship and basically they have like the best job in the world. Mm-hmm. But um, they, them first and then this dude mm-hmm. were two people that kind of made me be like, man, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Um, and it... Yeah. Work out. I, well, I mean, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But <laughs> it might work out. But the option is there. Like yeah. just just doing whatever the fuck you want, being passionate about something, and yeah. just and just doing that is an option, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not even that. Like yeah, it's definitely like, the best way to go about it. But it's crazy to me, or at least it was crazy to me when I was younger, that that could be anyone's life, mm-hmm. right? Not, like you know, it's, that's their livelihood, and that's that's the way that they're going to make their way in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that did kind of inspire me to just kind of be like, well, I can just do whatever the fuck I want. Right. And uh, I, right now I'm trying to venture off and... Uh, do what you want? Yeah, you know, like, I remember when I was taking improv in Chicago, like, I had a, uh, Jake Schneider was a coach. And he oh, asked, I love Jake Schneider. He's a good dude. But, like, and uh, one of the training things when we first did was, like, he's like, just write down some shit about yourself. And one uh-huh. of the things is, like, he's like, if you had your way, what would you what would you want to be? And I guess I should have written Anthony Bourdain. But uh, <laughs> what I wrote was novelist. And, cool. uh, and that was like always something I'm like, oh, I always wonder. Right always, something you always yeah. came back to. I always came back to that. Um, but I guess I never really, th- I never really considered that I couldn't be that. Yeah. Um, because of people like fucking the Penny Arcade guys and Anthony right. Bourdain. Like, right. It's an option. You can just go out there yeah. and fucking just do the thing that you want to do. Yeah. It might not be easy, mm-hmm. and you might fall on your face a couple times, but, like, clearly there's evidence now proving that, yes, you can just go out and be a dude who eats food uh, and travels the world, and then that's your job. Um, that's awesome. And that's awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I love that people like that exist, even though I fucking shake my fist at them. Right. Right. <laughs> for having... But you still watch a show and appreciate what you garner from it. Yeah. And uh, let that inspire you to do the things that you want to do and right. hope it works out and hope it works out I mean who the fuck knows but you gotta at least you can try and at cool. least you can try thinking that hey it might work out absolutely yeah. absolutely I think that's uh imperative mm-hmm. honestly in in a happy life uh I gotta wrap this up cause we're past the 50 minute mark oh shit I know long winded uh, no, it was great. I, I, uh, I feel like in the middle I was like, oh yeah, we're going pretty good. And then like 20 minutes later, <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. uh, we gotta wrap this up. Um, that was a great way to end it. Um, uh, the thing that I say to all of my guests at the end of my podcast, and it's, uh, uh, I won't say it's, a, it's especially pertinent, but I mean it every time that I say it. Um, but I super mean it to you is that, uh, <laughs> I love you and I mean that. Aww, <laughs> I love you and I mean that too, very bad. Flaming red, flaming red, flaming red, flaming red, flaming red, flaming red.